everyone. You're listening to On The Rise Podcast with your hosts, Amanda and Joe. We're two Kiwi girls who share nearly 30 years of friendship and we plan to take you on a journey of self-discovery and personal development to help you rise up in all areas of your life. You can expect real talk, tough topics and unapologetic vulnerability. We want to inspire you to believe you're worth more, to never settle for average, and to have confidence to take up space in all areas of your life. If you haven't done so, please hit the subscribe button so you don't miss the next episode. And we'd love for you to connect with us on Instagram at on the underscore rise podcast. Let's get into it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 13 which is so crazy. Um, you are here with Amanda and Joe, uh, the hosts of On The Rise podcast. Thank you for tuning in. How are you, Amanda? I'm good, Joe. I am good. Um, it's so lovely to be back uh, behind the mic. Have missed it. Um, and yeah, I suppose a little bit low this week, if I'm honest. I've had some news from home. Um, that one of my lovely uncles is not well. So, yeah, I'm going to have to fly home tomorrow for a week or so. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad and grateful that that is an option for me. Uh, and, you know, um, it's nice not having to put leave in and being able to, you know, have the cash available to do it. But equally, I'm, I'm obviously really sad because, you know, he is a, a lovely uncle of mine and someone who's dear in our family. So a little bit low this week, um, but yeah, uh, obviously pushing through. Sorry to hear that, my friend, and I'm glad you are able to get on a plane ASAP. Um, I had a conference weekend last week, actually. Um, it was pretty full on. So with my business, we have um, in-person events probably every couple of months. Always lots of fun, high energy, lots of learning. Uh, and I know we talk about it um, often, you know, our surroundings, our environment and the people that we are around. So that's always a highlight for me just to be around like-minded women and leaders that are leveling up. So that was a full on weekend for me. But I am super excited for today's episode. I think we should crank into it. I feel like this episode has been the most requested, which is cool. We've had a lot of interest in this topic. So, um, yeah, so it's exciting to finally talk about it. Yeah, so episode 13 is going to be an Airbnb Q&A. So as Amanda said, we've had a lot of people ask um, us about them, ask Amanda directly. So we thought we would give the people what they've asked for. So before just getting into it straight away, do you want to maybe just share a little bit about your Airbnb experience? Yes, I'd love to. So I could talk about Airbnb all day long. Uh, it's been something that has been a bit of a learning curve for us, but Oh gosh, we're so glad that we took the leap and made the, the decision to do that with um, with a number of our properties now. Um, so just to give a bit of background, we have been hosting uh, from 2020, so we're coming up to three years this year. Uh, as I said, have two properties in the mighty lower heart, so not a super duper holiday destination, but you know, we love where we're from, but can you list your property on other platforms? Yes, you absolutely can. There are integrations available uh, with other platforms. I personally don't. 
I like the, I suppose, ease of Airbnb. It's very, very simple when your house is listed on there, uh, and particularly payment-wise. The payment's collected on your behalf and paid out 24 hours after check-in directly to you. Um, if If it's less than a month's stay, the full amount's given to you straight away, like on that day after check-in. If it's longer than a month's stay, you get the first month payment up front and then the rest of it following. So it's just really, really easy and you don't have to worry about obviously people paying. I don't know what other platforms are like in that respect, but I've just found Airbnb so easy, so I don't, haven't bothered. But I do know, like I know my brother, for example, he has Airbnbs in um, Sydney and he does uh, list on multiple platforms and he's... Um, the opportunity option to link calendars. So if one is booked, then, you know, it'll block it out on the other calendar. So it's, yeah, pretty seamless from what I've heard. Yeah, wow. That's really interesting and cool to hear how easy it has been with Airbnb. Yeah. So obviously you guys are living in the Gold Coast now and your properties are in New Zealand. How do you manage that? Do you need a property manager in the location of your property? if you're not in the country, like you guys? Yeah, um, this is a, a really big yes from me. Um, not being in the country uh, where the Airbnbs are mean you are a little bit out of the loop and a little bit, I suppose, removed from your guests. And the last thing that you want is them to have a bad experience while they're staying there. So um, I'll talk about property manager, but I actually want to talk wider about teams. So uh, we have... Uh, a wonderful property manager. Um, she happens to be my sister, but she um, takes care of the houses as if they're her own. So the I suppose the element of not stressing being taken away is absolutely massive. I don't know how we would do it without a property manager. Um, I think, you know, there's obviously communications with guests on the ground, but then if something happens or goes wrong, it's having that person there to coordinate on the spot, you know, and someone that lives nearby ideally as well, because sometimes things go wrong and they just need to pop over for five minutes and check it out. It's really hard to do that remotely. So yeah, big, big yes from me on that question and just wider team as well. So we have a wonderful cleaning crew and we also have a list of maintenance type people uh, available for uh, times where things might happen. So uh, my property manager has that list of people and contact numbers. We've also agreed up front the types of things that she should organise without our interaction versus the things that she might need to talk to us about first. So getting those systems and that team set up is really, really crucial. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, I can testify I have stayed at Airbnbs in random places that I guess what I would say are kind of average you know they haven't gone over the top and I've also had the privilege of staying at Amanda's Airbnbs in Wellington and you can just feel the difference in terms and it's the little things I think um you know that it's clean and the snacks and you know all about the snacks (laughs) (laughs) it's just all about the food You know, but even the quality of the bed and the linen, like that just makes such a difference. That's so true. I think we definitely go over and above in that aspect 
exactly because, you know why you've mentioned because you know we've stayed in Airbnbs we know what it's like to have a crappy sleep uh, beds are number one and yeah they cost a little bit more to get a good bed but you know if your guests are having good sleeps that translates into it into a good stay and good reviews which means more bookings so yeah highly recommend that but yeah thanks Joe I think we do um, I don't know if it's the, the Māori and we you know <laughs> that hospitality thing where you have to feed people. Uh, but, yeah, giving um, like a, a basket of snacks and milk and tea and coffee sounds it's so small to do, but it, it makes such a difference and makes people feel so much more welcome. I'm sure if you've been to an Airbnb and you've had that experience, you know how it makes you feel. So it translates in the same way for guests. Yeah. And I've got another question about the property manager situation. So if you had your Airbnb in the same city that you're living in, how many hours do you think it takes to manage that? Like, would you still recommend getting a separate property manager or like if someone's working a full-time job, is it something that they can manage on the side? Yeah, good question. Um, so I think it depends a lot on the other systems that you have set up around it. For example, uh, if you have automated scheduled messaging set up and you're not sending separate messages to the guests every single time reminding them of the same things that's going to save you time you know if you've got um you know a way that you're communicating your cleaning dates with your cleaner rather than you having to call them all the time then that saves you time so um i know i was personally working uh, when we started the airbnb um and i was also um had my little baby home with me as well. So it's definitely possible uh, to do that. It did end up getting to be too much. I was initially when we started the Airbnbs, I was even doing the cleaning, which is crazy. Like cleaning is, um, it's really hard to do cleaning really well. I'm not a good cleaner. Like, I mean, I'm good in that. I do a thorough job, but it takes me forever. So yeah, not a good use of my time. But for me, it was um, a really great way to get that cleaning system sorted out, though, by doing it myself. I knew how long that cleaning was going to take. True. I knew what was needed, uh, and I knew what I needed from somebody else. So in that respect, it was great. Um, and I think, too, if you're just getting started, not having to pay for a property manager is probably a good idea, um, particularly in the beginning. I would also recommend that that's what you do, even if it's just for the first three months. The amount of info and data that you'll learn and, and the experience you'll gain will be so worth that time. Yeah, good point. But the place that I'm at now and you know, looking at getting these uh, ones in the Gold Coast – I don't want to spend my time on that. I know how to set that up now. I know the systems that I need and I know the team that I need to wrap around it. And I don't want to use my time doing that. I want to use my time getting more properties. So that would be the difference for this one. Yes, love that. Can I just note too, there's also, you know, obviously we've got a family member as our property manager. Um, there are options to do that through actual organisations like real estate agencies and stuff. They typically charge quite high rates though. So I think it's about 20% of your booking, total booking, regardless of the size of it, which can be quite big um, if you think about the larger bookings. But that's an option there if you want something that is completely self-sufficient. The only call out there is you lose control because they take over all of the messaging. You don't see any messaging from your guests. You don't, you can, the only way you could see what the reviews are is if you actually go onto your website and have a look and see what rating they've oh, wow. And the, um, they are the host, so it wouldn't be under your name. It would be under their real estate name. 
So I didn't like that option because it felt like I'd lost too much control and couldn't have control over the quality, I suppose. Mm. They choose all of the cleaning products and all of the um, shampoo, conditioner, all of that stuff. They don't put out gifts. They don't put out like little baskets of food or anything um, like that. Wow. And the cleaning standard isn't. I've stayed in ones that are managed by other um, places like that and the cleaning has been horrific. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, that is definitely um, helpful information. So how do you figure out like the appropriate rental price for an Airbnb? Yeah, this is a good question and this is a, um, it's a big one and there are so many uh, aspects that come into pricing. Um, Just very high level. Um, You want to set it at a price that reflects the type of people that you want staying in your house Um, and you know, oftentimes I tell people, and it sounds weird, but it's really price it up so that you're getting the right clients through, getting the right guests through. Um, that can make a really big difference. And it's funny. I know a friend of mine has an Airbnb, um, and she had set it up. She just started, I think it was, you know, a few months ago, and she set the price uh, at the price that Airbnb had recommended because when you're setting your listing up, it Airbnb recommends the price dependent on the area it's in and all the data that they've got behind the scenes. So she just listened to that and set the price. So it was quite cheap for the area that you know she was in. And she you know set this house up, did all these extra things over and above, and ended up getting horrific reviews. Crazily, even though um, you know it was set up really nicely, and she sort of was ready to give up. But then she decided, you know, her friends spoke to friends and family, and they said, up the price, like just up the price and see what you get. So she added, I think, another hundred bucks a night or something. So she upped it and um, got the next lot of guests through and got nothing but good reviews. So did nothing different, absolutely nothing differently at all. Just up the price, yeah. So, So, I mean, there's there's something there, right? There's something, like, psychological there as well. Um, But, yeah, I think for me it's it's really figuring that out for yourself. Um, But there are other strategies, methods, processes, et cetera, that you can use to figure that price out. Again, I have lots of tips, um, lots of tips for that. Yeah, nice. Okay, so what about tax implications for rental income? How does that work? Yeah, Yeah, so so there are definitely definitely considerations from this angle. Um, I'd always recommend engaging with an accountant. Uh, If you're going to be earning more than $60,000 a year, there would also be GST um, to think about. So recommendation is definitely to engage with an accountant if you're looking to set up an Airbnb. Accountants aren't super expensive. You can find a really good one um, that will help you with the setup, etc. Definitely would recommend engaging with the right person to get the right information. But the answer is yes, there are tax GST implications. Yeah, I love that. And so far from what I've heard is, you know, you've really got a good team around you to and systems in place which makes it seamless. Yeah, for sure. And that's, it's taken quite a few years to get really, to get to that point. Yeah. yeah. So on average, how many nights a week is your Airbnb booked out? Well, it's, um, it's crazy to me actually, because, you know, when we did our figures uh, for our first one anyway, um, we knew we needed at least two nights a week for it to, you know, cover its costs. So we thought, well, that's okay. We can probably get that. But, um, Oftentimes, we can get up to, you know, five or six days a week for that particular property. 
I think they have like a, um, an insights tab in the Airbnb app where you can look at your um, occupancy rate. And the last time I looked, it was at about 80%. Yeah, wow. Which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. And I remember having a conversation with you, which was so surprising, but it's really cool to hear, was, you know, through COVID, where a time where New Zealand was shut down and obviously people couldn't travel, your Airbnb was still doing really well, right? Yeah, crazy, right? So we had a whole range of, of people at that time. We had we had a doctor for... Um, I think it was I think it was six weeks or something like that who stayed in one of our properties um, because they needed to be close to a local hospital. So they'd come down because of all the stuff that was going on with COVID. They needed to come, you know, to that area. And then there was also um, even throughout COVID, there were um, people stuck. Uh, for travel so we had people come and stay there or there were people that had to isolate away from their family because they were working and they couldn't be with their family when they weren't working so yeah yeah it just showed to me I, I actually thought when COVID hit and everything locked down we would see a massive dip but the truth of the matter is we didn't. Yeah and I, I feel like why not for me like thinking about it like that would be I guess something that would be scary, you know, is like, and then thinking like when the country shut down and there's no travel, yeah. and yet that wasn't affected at all. Yeah, yeah. I guess at the end of the day, one thing that everybody needs is a roof over their head. Mm, exactly. So I know you mentioned the doctor, but like what type of guests do you typically have staying? Is it usually work people or? Oh gosh, it's it's a massive range of people. It's crazy to me. So a lot of work people, a lot of trades people um, that come and stay, whether they be builders or electricians or we've had um, like insulators, we've had like pest people, we've had like honestly every type of trade you can probably think of um, who are either coming to stay in the area to work on a project or are relocating for a short period of time to work on a project. So yeah, massive range of work people, but you know, We've, even had, we've had so many different, so we've had lots of families that have family in the area and they want to stay um, in the area but they don't want to stay with their family member, there might not be enough room. True. Um, we've had uh, people come that are coming for weddings, we've had people stay that are moving home but they need somewhere in between time, so they may have sold a house or they may, have, they may be moving to another country and they need a place to stay before they go. Like, honestly, the list goes on, and I think, you know, that's what blows my mind because when we thought about Airbnb, I was a little bit worried about occupancy. Obviously, it's a risk to not know how many nights a place is going to be rented. But, um, you know, now I've seen the types of people that have come through, even in the area we live in. It's just, yeah, it's crazy. Um, have you had any Karens? <laughs> We've had a few Karens, yeah. We have. That, that comes with the territory. Yeah. <laughs> We've had a few tricky customers, that's for sure. But, you know, um, communication is key. Oftentimes, too, you know, you can't please everybody, right? Yeah. There's always going to be somebody that's not happy, um, even though the 100 people before them may have been happy. So um, the good news is, you know, if you get a bad review or you get, you know, bad feedback, everything's averaged out for Airbnb anyway. So, you know, if you've got... If you've got 20 five-star reviews and then you get a one-star, it, it still averages out. Um, but yeah. yeah, I had a look at our ratings the other day just in preparation for this episode, and um, we've actually had amazing ratings. So pretty much, I think when I counted, 70 out of 73 of our ratings were five-star, which was great. Wow. And then the other three were four-star. Oh, so, amazing. Yeah, so we've done really, really well in that respect. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so carrying on from that, this is a good lead-in. What about the horror stories you hear about, like in the Airbnb? Like, yeah, yeah there's, there's been, been a few, few I'm sure, that you've heard. Yeah. Um, we haven't had a crazy horror story yet. We've had a few guests that have, you know, left the house in more of a mess than they should have, left food, open food out, open on tables, left doors wide open and not secured the windows. And, you know, we had one guest who broke um, a kitchen drawer and, and, you know, just left it sitting on the bench and didn't tell us. We've had, you know, minor things, nothing major. Um, but I do know that there are some horror stories that have happened. I I think, again, pricing comes into it. Like, you price it at a point that, you know, you get the right guests in. It doesn't always work, but I think that does mitigate a lot of those risks. And then I think the other thing is, um, which we spoke about in our masterclass on Tuesday um, last week, Airbnb also have a really amazing insurance policy. So... As a host, you get charged uh, an Airbnb service fee for each booking, and within that service fee is a premium for insurance, and that insurance helps to cover any sort of things that go wrong with the property. I believe it's up to a million dollars of cover, so really generous policy. We've had to use that once in the last three years. Uh, it was a very easy process to do. Uh, it was an email back and forth with uh, evidence, etc. And we got paid out within, I think, 48 hours or something um, because it was accepted. So I think that's just some peace of mind. Yeah, that's really good. That was my next question from that. So with insurances, do you need any additional insurance with your typical home and contents insurance or just that Airbnb extra? So we only have the Airbnb extra. I do know of other hosts that have um, add-on ones onto their other policies as well, but we haven't opted for that. We've just got the home and contents and the Airbnb per booking. Cool. Yeah. Okay, and probably my last question for now is, like, do you need to be a realtor to own an Airbnb? Like, do you need, I guess, any qualifications or anything like that, or can anyone do it? No, anybody can do it, which is so great. So you don't need any type of qualifications. Um, I think a couple of tips, though, I would definitely obviously engage with an accountant like we spoke about to make sure that you're covering all of your um, responsibilities there. And I'd also think about the name in which you operate your Airbnb. So you may need to set up some sort of company to, you know, to take the payments and, and set it up in a company way. But again, your accountant can help you with that as well. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, gee, I have learned a lot in this podcast. Thank you so much for being so generous with your experience and your knowledge. I know that it's going to add so much value to all of our listeners and everyone that has been asking all the Airbnb questions. Yeah. And another question I would love to ask, if you don't mind sharing, but what would you say your average monthly income with Airbnb is? Oh, good question. I might just open up my app for this because it, it sort of tells you um, the amounts. But yeah, I suppose looking over the last four months, so we're currently in Feb, if I look between, say, October and Feb, the average is around 20000 a month for two houses. Wow. Yeah, which is which is wonderful. Um, and we just had, and I'm super happy to share this stuff. I know we, we um, speak a lot about finances, Joe, but I'm super happy to share this. Uh, our, we had our best month this month, so Feb. Um, 
So for booked earnings, haven't been paid it out all of it yet, but for booked earnings for Feb, which is only a 28-day month, might I add, um, we've had $30,000 worth of um, worth of bookings. Yeah. Wow, that yeah. is incredible. And thank you for sharing because I know for myself, and again, I know we talk about this all the time, but this is where you get that belief because there's so much knowledge out there and so many people doing so many amazing things. But unless you hear about it, it's like you don't actually know what is possible. Yeah. So I know that that is going to encourage so many people out there that have been sitting on the fence about possibly starting the Airbnb Mm. that may get them excited. I I hope so. so. And you also want to point out that, you know, that's two houses. So I think oftentimes people think they need to have this massive portfolio in order to make a, a, you know, a good amount of money when in reality, you know, you can do really well off a couple of places or one place even. And if you think about, you know, um, once those homes are paid off, obviously we've got costs, you know, it's not all profit for us at 30K, we've got costs that come out. But once those houses are paid off and we're heading into retirement, we, we won't, won't have, have costs. costs. So, so even just that as a retirement option plan is, is wonderful. Absolutely. I guess, you know, from what you've shared t- today, and it's been pretty quick, you've really just touched on the key points. And I know you've got so much more knowledge and tips and tricks around your experience and all of the things. If people are, I guess, needing more coaching or information around this, what's the best way to move forward with it? Yeah. So um, last week we launched our Rise coaching program, our two-to-one coaching program. Um, And this scenario is one that would be amazing for someone that's interested uh, in, you know, starting an Airbnb portfolio, figuring out the, you know, the right way to price, the right place to, you know, start it, the best way to list it, to market it. You know, that's the stuff that we can work through in our coaching program, right? Um I've made every single mistake under the sun with the Airbnb. Um, you know, I've um, I've learned along the way. I have you know quite a few years of knowledge and experience now, and that's what we that's what we're able to share in our coaching program, right? Yeah, it's a really good option for people that are in that bucket. So yeah, the next step would be to apply. Yeah, I love that. So yeah, if if you're ready to jump all into your Airbnb and just really have that personalised coaching um you know the link is in our bio and we would love to work with you and you can pick both of our brains on all the things yes yay well i have absolutely loved that episode um again thank you so much mans for being so generous with your knowledge and just adding so much value um if you guys want to share these in your stories and tag us, let us know what you got out of it. If you recommend it, share it with your friends and family. Um, and that is episode 13 for now. Thank you guys for tuning in. Yeah, thank you so much. And just one last thing, if you have other questions, it's really helpful for Joe and I um, to operate in this way where we're answering questions that you actually ask because then we know it's providing value. So please keep them coming. And that is a wrap. Thank you, guys. Have a good night, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everyone. Bye.